0: This is the show for those who want to live strong in business, life, and family. Welcome to the Warrior Her Podcast.
1: Hey, Warriors! Today's episode is sponsored by Purium. Purium goes back to the original purity standards with products that have no colors, sweeteners, fillers, or genetically modified ingredients. They even offer a 60-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't like the products, you can send them back with no questions asked. Our listeners today are given $50 off products by going to ishopperium.com and entering the code WARRIORWELLNESS. Real food, super food, for super results. I'ma keep on running cause the winners don't quit on themselves Shelby Dorsey is here today to talk with us about her journey from teen pregnancy to becoming a board certified behavior analyst, her consulting agency, and how she's going to reach financial freedom through real estate. I'm super excited to have her on the show today and for everyone to be able to hear all the amazing things that she's doing for the world. I I like the backstory, like just knowing Mm -hmm. how it started and where you came from, because I think that's super important. So we can just like dive in right there.
0: Yes. So I'm from Quanah, Texas, which is a tiny town in West Texas. I think our population's like 2,500. Okay. And I graduated, my graduating class had 32. Oh my God. Something like 27 of the 32 went from k to 12 there. So, I mean, this is a small town where everyone knows everyone. And, um, it's also right in the middle of nothing. So I, 90 miles from the nearest mall, we have no Walmart one-stop light in the town. I mean, just to wrap your head around people who say they're from a small town and they're from, you know, their city has like 50,000. No, 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 no. This is a real small town.
1: (laughs) And so where are you now? Where do you live now?
0: I live in Denton, Texas now, and it is, we're north of Dallas, about 35, 40 minutes, um, two and a half hours from my hometown.
1: And how did you end it I literally
0: picked it on a map. So I, I talk about my college. I'll tell you where, where I came from. But I was living in Oklahoma City. And um, Oklahoma was having terrible, terrible trouble with their schools. I was a teacher. And the teachers went on strike. And I just decided, like, I can't raise my kid in a city where – we're on strike because public education is so bad. Like public education is really important to me. So um, my husband, myself, my sister, and my sister's husband literally got a map out and was like, where can we move that's close enough to our families, all all four of our families, that's semi-metroplex, cost of living is appropriate, and we literally looked at a map until we picked Denton. We are data driven people. So we were like, okay, let's get the stats. Let's pick the city. It has nothing to do with anything. We don't know anybody that lives here. We just picked it and we moved and we love it.
1: And so how far is that, if you know, from McKinney, Texas?
0: <clears throat> yeah, we're like 25 miles from McKinney. Because
1: I will be in McKinney. <laughs> next you will be in my hood, essentially. We will, will be right be there. there. I will be there. I'm planning on meeting Leot. So I'm like, oh, I'm yes. And Leot. Yeah,
0: we I'm right. And
1: McKinney is right in the middle of Leot and I. Okay. Cause I'll be, I'll be in Austin for a few days and then we're going to go to McKinney. I have a good friend that lives in McKinney. Oh, it is I'm very close to I'm trying to convince my husband to move. I want to move to Texas. <laughs> I saw him love to Texas when I went.
0: Yes, I really like it here, too. You know, I'm born and raised in Texas, a different part of Texas. But after living in Oklahoma for like 10 years, um, we decided to come back. My husband's also from Texas. And right now in this area, it's just really nice. It's a nice place to live. It's a
1: nice place to work. We really enjoy it. Okay, I'm I'm super excited, but. I want to rewind a little bit and go from so you you went to school in this tiny town in uh. Texas and then you got pregnant. So, yes. how old were you when you got pregnant? Was that planned?
0: I was 16 and I have like, this should have, I should have had a movie. Maybe I'll have a movie someday, but my family, I have a large family in this tiny town. Um, just to kind of give you a gist of like where I'm coming from. Like my mom is a school teacher. My dad was the County extension agent of the city. So, or the County. So he was like the agriculture agent of the County. Um, My dad did the announcements at our church. My mom did the children's sermon. They're very civic oriented. We volunteered. I have two sisters. We live in a beautiful brick house. You know, it's like this all American dream family that we have. And my parents are very well respected in the community. They're smart. They're fun loving. They're all these great things. And bam, their 16 year old gets pregnant. Not only does their 16-year-old get pregnant, but she gets pregnant by a boy she has been forbidden to see.
1: I had dated. (laughs) Why were you forbidden to see him? We're just not allowed to date? Well,
0: we started dating when I was, like, in the eighth grade, and it was, like, the dating relationship ever. We didn't live in the same city. We fought all the time. I was super melodramatic, and my parents were like, okay, you need to chill out. You two are not good for each other. Um, let's let this thing go. And so I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. E- to, you know, every 16 yeah. year old girl is like, you're not going to tell me who to date. So they wanted me to focus on school. It was like, You know, when you're 16, you're starting to think about scholarships and professions. And I was student council president. I was on the dance team. I was on every, the debate team. I was the lead in the one-act play. Like, you name it. Every <clears throat> cheesy award that you could go for, I was trying to get. Everything that you can do, we were trying to do. And so my parents, like, put a stop to the date. And they're like, no, no, no. And then, boom. I end up pregnant. Obviously, it's with him. And I'm 16. My parents are devastated. I mean devastated is maybe an understatement. It came out of nowhere. Um, They had no idea that I was sexually active, first of all, which was like an ultimate shock to the system for them. And two huge dreams. I was a big personality. I had all these accolades. And for my parents, it seemed like a pregnancy at 16 was like, like, well, you might as well just go work at the grocery store. All you can yeah, like, do. And
1: all of their hopes and dreams for you at that moment were, like, yes. shattered.
0: And I'm the oldest as well. So I'm the first um, And so it was just like, we've, they really felt like we did everything right. Like we're the all American family. (laughs) What happened? And so they took it really, really hard. And to say that they took it hard is an understatement, like I was pulled out of everything that I was in. Um, I was put into 11th grade at this time. Yeah. Yes. But it gets a little tricky. So I was in the 11th grade when it happened, but I didn't tell anyone that I was pregnant. So I got pregnant in March of my junior year and I didn't tell a soul, not a friend, not, not her father, not my parents, not my sister, no one. July, you do the math. So I get pregnant in March, in July, my mom makes a comment that I've been eating way too much candy at the swimming pool. Cause I was a lifeguard. I was still wearing a two piece. <laughs> what is going on with you? And I'm like, nothing, don't worry about it, you know, because I had, I had turned 17 over, you know, the, at the end of my junior year, but no one knew I was pregnant.
1: Okay, so you found so out you were finally, pregnant and then didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't take a pregnancy test. I didn't go to the doctor. Nothing.
0: I held it in. In and Disneyland. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I mean, I. Well, I mean, you were 16. You know, So, <laughs> right. And so I kind of just thought I'll figure it out, but I need some time. Didn't tell anyone. And then one, I had a really close friend who was in college already. And she's like, what's going on? And so I tell her, I'm like, hey pregnant, but I'm not sure. She's like, okay. So she goes and buys a pregnancy test at college because remember in this small town, there's no way I could have bought a pregnancy test. First of all,
1: <laughs> just yeah, no, no, no,
0: no way. So she buys a pregnancy test at college at a Walmart and brings it to me <laughs> so we can take it. And of course it's positive. So I wait a couple of days. I tell one of my aunt, uh, aunts and then I tell my parents, well, my parents are thinking that I'm like fresh pregnant in July. Mm-hmm. It's like the end of July. So they're kind of at first thinking that, um, you know, I'll have my baby at the end of the senior year, but still rough, but like, God, you'll just be out of high school. Like we'll, we'll get you there. And then they take me to the doctor in the doctor alone and I'm like oh yeah by the way like I haven't had a period since March and they're like what my first doctor's appointment that I'm 24 and a half weeks pregnant I think so I'm real pregnant at this point
1: (laughs) you know there's so many similarities it's actually kind of scary because I got pregnant and I was I had a really effed up family life, but <laughs> I, had plan- I was like schooled my out, right? Like I'm going to do really good in school. I'm going to move to California and I'm going to start my life doing, I didn't know what, but I knew it was going to be just the opposite Something. of whatever my family did. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I got pregnant my junior year of high school and I didn't know until I was six months and I had hurt myself. I hurt my ankle during cheerleading practice that summer and so I had only gained 10 pounds in that time and I was like well I'm used to training six days a week I'm not training anymore like I still was like kind of had my period a little bit on and off like spotting which now Mm -hmm. I can after having more kids I'm like oh my god there was probably something wrong (laughs) (laughs) now that I know and then I think there was a part of me that was in a little bit of denial too for probably like the last month like I, I think I knew and I just, I found out Absolutely. what I was having and that it was like official at my first doctor's appointment.
0: So did I, so did I. I, that is so crazy. And, and I think your point about denial is a really big point because I reflected a lot in the last say 12 years about it. And I remember taking a shower with my arms crossed. I didn't want to look down because I didn't want to know if I had gained weight and I didn't want to know if my stomach was round. I didn't want to know. I don't remember what I look like. I don't, I didn't know. I don't know if I took looked in the mirror. You know what I mean? There's like an absence of photos of me from my junior prom, which is in early March. There's pictures of me there. There are hardly any pictures of me throughout the whole summer Until I tell you know, I come out publicly that I'm pregnant. So I think for me as well, there was like this shame and denial and depression that was going on when I knew something was up. But I have the clearest thoughts (laughs) about Mm -hmm. where I should go, what I should do, who I should tell, and no one felt safe. Even my BFFs, you know, even my girlfriends, um, they didn't know either. It wasn't like I told all of these girls and then just didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anybody. Yeah, and so that shame and denial and complexity of to do and not knowing who to tell—it it was all like bundled up. And then eventually, I just got. It was like I got to tell somebody because they're about to see that my stomach is round. <laughs> you know that's Yeah,
1: kind of and I actually, what happened? I had to make. Did you? So did you finish school after that? Well, kind of. Um,
0: my mom was a special education teacher at the high school. And she was the most affected by my pregnancy. And she was very, very, very upset. And so she actually pulled me out of my classes. I was like, in AP this, AP that. Um, She pulled me out of everything. And I sat in her classroom and did online school. So for my senior year, from August to December, I took double course load. So the way that I did it was, For my first, I don't know how many hours of the day, I sat in her classroom and did online school on the computer. And then I hit second semester. And then my first semester classes, I only had a couple because I was a senior. And, you know, I'd already taken so many that I had to do the other. So I basically did my whole senior year in one semester because my daughter's due date was – December.
1: Go, logo, sorry. <laughs>
0: no, just her, her due date was in December. So my mom basically was like, you can finish everything. And once you have her, you'll be done with your coursework and you can graduate in December.
1: So and that's what I did, did, but I was pulled. You just did online classes with like following whatever your school district coursework was. Right. So
0: in the morning I would do online and then in the afternoon I would go to basically first semester in the morning, I would do second semester, which doesn't make any sense, but that's the way it was. <laughs> and, so and so I like double loaded for that, for, for that one semester that I was there.
1: And then, so during this time, were you still thinking of college and stuff or was that put on the back burner or, or it how did your change? How did yeah, you it plan change? Yeah, it was
0: strange. I was going to... um Before all of this happened, I was going to go to Southwestern Oklahoma State University in Weatherford, Oklahoma, and go to pharmacy school. I wanted to be a pharmacist, and I had gotten into the program. I had pretty good scores. I was working on some scholarships, and then everything kind of paused. And the community, that's from a small town, knows that the community kind of is chatting. You know, everybody's got something to say about it. And it was kind of like, okay, she'll just like go work in the grocery store because there's no industry in the town that I'm from. Like, you sure, you could be a teacher. We had one dentist, one doctor, and, and like nurses, but a whole lot of options. But we do have a grocery store. So you can either work at a gas station or work at a grocery store, but you have to be 18 to work at a gas station. So I couldn't even work at a gas station. I had to work at the grocery store, and that's kind of what it was. Everyone's... Thoughts and dreams for me while I was pregnant died. And so I, they kind of died with me too. And I'm thinking, okay, like this is my life. And I had had these huge dreams like, I'm going to get out and I'm going to become a pharmacist and I'm going to do all of these cool things and I'm going to go here and I'm going to live here and I'm going to travel. And it felt like at the time that because I was 16 and pregnant, all of those had been killed, and for the rest of my life, I'm just gonna basically live and I didn't even know where I was gonna live. I was living at my parents at the time, but like even in my wildest dreams, I'm like, I'll never buy a house. I'll never do anything. I'll just sit here and work there and do. which reflecting on it now, it seems not not silly, but just there are people that live there and work at the grocery store their whole life. And they're perfectly
1: happy. Like my yeah, parents. but I think that's a, a good point. And I was lucky enough that I had one, like a few teachers, actually a few of my teachers and my school counselor were very supportive. And this is, this is only like seems like a setback right now but it's going to be ultimately up to you to do something about it so Mm -hmm. that was when they showed me the stats and I you know it's very uncomfortable being a teenager and being pregnant like (sighs) you know it's so isolating and especially as active as you know you were like for me too I was so involved in school stuff I did cheerleading, like mm-hmm. I was in clubs. I had tons of friends. I had a big social life. I was always going to parties and having fun with my friends and just being a teenager. And all of that came to a complete stop. Yeah. And you know, your friends are you're you're kind of on the you're an outlier now. You know, you ah. do the same things, and then you're also treated like that from from teachers right? There's kind of like whispers. And I can only imagine being in a small town. I went to a huge high school, but I was the only only pregnant girl at the high school. And then mm-hmm. I tried like an alternative school because mm-hmm. I thought, okay, I'm going to be too far behind if I take off during this time. Yeah, And I went to this alternative school and I was like, fuck no. Like, I don't belong in this shit. This is not for me. Like, I actually like school. I'm, I don't not I'm not like, you know, getting in trouble or, and then I decided to actually drop out. And that was one of the worst and hardest decisions I ever had to make. But Mm -hmm. I scored so high on my GED and I had so many credits already established that I was actually able to get my high school diploma. Oh, great. So it worked out, but it was such a hard thing. And I just, I feel like it's important for us to support these girls through this time. Oh, absolutely,
0: absolutely, and pregnancy. I think a lot of people treated me like I had a terminal illness. I mean, it sounds so dramatic. I'm I'm 29 right now, so this was about 12 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. It seems so dramatic, and I actually have an uncle who my mom was just taking it very very hard, and my uncle literally said to her, "She doesn't have cancer." Like she's not dying of AIDS. She's pregnant. Okay. She'll be fine. Everybody needs to get over it. Like you guys are taking it to the extreme. And I didn't even know that he said this until I had already had her and and was a little more stable, but. I did have some people fighting for me, but the people that I was seeing, like my friends were in varsity basketball, first of all, you know, like this is our senior year. Yeah. We start, I find out that I'm pregnant at the end of July, or I tell people that I'm pregnant. I'll say we start school in August and it's our senior year. We've got people who've got boyfriends, people are getting tattoos. Like, <laughs> you know, this is like the best time in everybody's life. And here I am, I'm pregnant. I'm so depressed. My parents don't know what to do with me. And they essentially cut me off. So their rule was kind of like, you've made this choice financially. My dad said, we're, we're going to let you keep your car because the, there's like no public transit. You know where I'm from. There's, you can't get to, can't even get to the doctor. My doctor's office was 30 miles away in a different town. So you get to keep your car. You're going to stay on our health insurance. But other than that, you're on your own. I lived at my parents' house and I even tried to run away after I had my daughter and that didn't work. But, you know, while I was pregnant, I lived at my parents' house and it was just depressing. I was exhausted because pregnancy is exhausting. I didn't feel like myself. I got a stupid haircut. Like, you know, and those things <laughs> that we did <laughs> you don't think that they matter you're 16 and pregnant or you're seven. I guess I was 17 by this time. And I get like this weird mom haircut. and It was so ugly. I look at pictures. I'm like, who let me get this haircut? I had been blonde my whole life. I dyed my hair brown. I, you know, it was like, I was going through this mega identity crisis. Me and her father were like trying to date, but it was a hot mess. I mean, He was nice enough and he wasn't doing anything wrong, but it definitely wasn't a love connection. We didn't have any business staying together, but it was kind of like, okay, you're pregnant now. Step it up. (laughs) And it was like, we, we shouldn't have been dating anyways. And you know, so all of these things are going on and it's just putting me in like this darker hole, this darker hole, this darker hole. I have her and I literally had her, on the Friday of the last day of school of the semester. Thursday, I was at school. I go into labor Thursday night. Friday, I have her school. My senior year is over. It wow. was not like, like no one even said anything about me not being there anymore.
1: And that part- Weird hurt, one day. Right? Like, yeah. You know, because you go from- you go from being this normal teenage kid with what you feel like is all these friends and all this social life to isolation. Definitely. And, and I had this
0: one friend who, she's, she's still my friend to this day. She loves babies. She would come over Every morning, she had basketball practice at, like, 6 a.m., but her first class didn't start till like, 8.30 or 9. She she didn't have a first period. So every day of the last semester, she would come over and hold my daughter while I took a shower. She would come over, and, like, that's the support. That's it. My parents didn't know what to do with me, so they kind of just, like, it was kind of like, we don't know what to do with you. Do you feel like
1: having your own kid now? And if that, you know, I think I speak for myself when I say like, I definitely don't want my kids to have to do that, but to turn away at a time of need, I could never imagine doing that to my kids.
0: I, I can't either. But what, kind, what I think about now, and I'm so happy that I'm like talking about it as a 29-year-old and not like a 22-year-old, because I would have been dogging my parents right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as a 29-year-old who I have a really good relationship with my parents right now, or now, and very understanding to the fact that they didn't know what to do, and they were trying to deal with themselves.
1: So their they were dealing with of what they wanted for your life.
0: Their parenting. And did, did they do enough? How did this happen to me? If they were there. And my mom came back years after my daughter was born. When I found out I was pregnant, it was like, okay, you can get an abortion. You can give her up for adoption. They were even like, we'll raise her as your sister. Where the hell? you guys that's nothing like my parents like anyone who knows my parents they would hear me say that and they'd be like they didn't say that and sometimes my mom is even like I don't know if I said that I'm like oh you said it but it was like they were in shock Mm -hmm. so they were just thinking of every crazy situation that they had seen on a movie
1: yeah and I think you know we can just being a parent right like just being Mm -hmm. a parent now I have a friend who had a similar situation too. Like her family was like, bye to your saying, figure it out. But um, being a parent now, it's like, I'm sure you can imagine they had certain expectations. So mm-hmm. they were disappointed by the expectations that didn't get met of their own. Oh. And also at the same time, probably thinking how can we alleviate her, from dealing with the things that she's going to have to deal with as a teen mom by raising, you know, her as her sister or giving her. her And so now as an adult, you can reflect on it and think, Oh, I get it. Like they were trying to make a good decision for me, but also simultaneously like dealing with their own. Ah. And expectations that I'm not going to be who they thought I was going to be.
0: Absolutely. And And in this small town and and the way that everything was, it was like, they're pretty unsuccessful. I knew that had babies. It was exactly. It's like they they don't do much with their lives as as far as a career or accolades. They typically and and statistically, they're going to have another baby in the next two and a half years. They're not going to graduate high school. Um, I think, and I used to have these statistics memorized because they were really important to me. But it was something like less than one percent of high school mothers three before 30 something like that like somebody can google that and and find out what the real statistic is there's something very very dismal and so my parents went straight rage honestly like they skipped this sad like they were very sad and and my dad was very sad but my mom was kind of like you better get up And get to work because now you're an adult. So figure it out. Okay. (laughs) Sure. And so financially, it was like, you know, Let's go. And my parents breed independence like they always had. And, and I think that's why I had so much success in high school and even middle school and elementary school with grades is when I was like in the fifth grade, I had this project and my mom, I wanted my mom's help. And she said, I've been in the fifth grade. you're in the fifth grade, you do the project. And she's a teacher, like, but she fostered this like deep, deep independence. And I'm fiercely independent now and have been even when I was a child. And so that was kind of her thought is this mess, you're the only one that can get yourself out. So good luck. And that's kind of where she left it. And, you know, when I was younger, I kind of gave her a lot of flack for it. And now as a 29 year old that you know, I'm I'm pretty successful. I am pleased with the success that I've gotten. Appreciate a bit of the figure it out. Now, I did need I probably needed counseling and maybe a hug at the time. Yeah. But I didn't get either a of those. More so, yeah, you know, and so um going on in, and as a parent, I think about how to get how to foster fierce independence in your children, but also make them feel supported. And I think that's what my mom was trying to do. I don't think that she did the best job at it, but like, if she would listen to this, she'd be like, Oh, you're fine. Like she's not an, emo- yeah. you know, she's not like a really like soft yeah. heart person. She's like, you're fine. Yeah. We kind of let you out on your own, but you needed it. Yeah. And so now well, as an adult, I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah okay.
1: <laughs> spoiler alert. Shelby is super successful.
0: So, uh, (laughs) you know, I feel, I feel successful and that's like part of the, the like full circle thing about talking about it is that if I would have had this interview as I was like failing out of undergrad, you know, I, I would have a lot more resentment, but things turned out okay.
1: Yeah. But I think the common thing, the common thing with people who succeed is that they fail many times. Yeah. And the only reason why they succeed is because they don't stop trying. I think people yes. want a secret, right? People want the secret right. formula. Like, how did you get out of it? And I know for me, when I got pregnant and I saw the statistics, and there was people saying these things to me, I was like, I will never be another statistic.
0: Oh, me too. And, and I would literally like this is okay. It doesn't matter. The the show Teen Mom. The show Mm -hmm. Teen Mom was on MTV right after I had my daughter and was on this like round table discussion with all the first season teen moms or no, maybe it was Dr. Drew. It doesn't matter. One of them was on the round table talk with all the teen moms and he was like reading the teen statistics and I'm watching it at home with like my six month old in my, my hands.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm like, what? Like I had never heard the statistics before point, I knew it was dismal. I knew it was bad, but I never heard the numbers. And I'm hearing this like 1% this many people have babies after two years, this many people don't grow. And I'm like, what? That's yeah. not me. And I had kind of been in this rut of like, thing never got to you know, just got to kind of deal with this life that I have. Yeah. And at, you know, at some point, I decided, and I wish I knew when it was, but it wasn't like a cathartic moment. It wasn't like, today I know that I'm going to succeed. It was a gradual thing. And finally, I'm like, I'm going to college and I'm still going to be a pharmacist. Spoiler alert, I'm not a pharmacist. But at the time, I'm like, I'm I'm still going to be a pharmacist. Like, I'm going to go to college. I don't know what I have to do to get there. I don't even know what it looks like. And at this point, my parents had kind of come around and they were like, yeah, you're still going to college. Like, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're too smart. At home and working at the local grocery store, because that's what I was doing. I didn't go back to school. And so I stayed with my daughter during the day. My grandmother came to my parents' house at about three o'clock. And, or maybe two o'clock, I went to work and then she babysat my daughter until five when my aunt got off work and then my aunt took my daughter until nine and then my parents would kind of piecemeal babysitting in there because I had no money for a daycare, right? So people start just jumping in. Literally, whoever is available, take her until I get off work is how my yeah. babysitting went.
1: Yeah, me too. Girl, me too.
0: finally decide like, okay, no, you need to go to school. So, applying for scholarships, and I get this mega scholarship, like, I'm just estimating, but it was something like a $40,000 scholarship, like a huge, huge scholarship, and
1: that kind of in my mind, like, oh, okay, a
0: minute, I'm still as smart, my IQ points out like I I still have my ACT scores I still have my you know 4.0 high school GPA or whatever it was I'm still in national honor society like
1: it reminded you that you can still do whatever you want to do no matter what your circumstance
0: right so the next couple of years like I'll fast forward so I have her in December that August, I leave and I go to college and the college that I go to is like two and a half hours, two hours and 45 minutes away from my hometown. I get a dorm, but my daughter stays in my hometown. So I drive back and forth these three hours. So like, I go to school on Monday and Tuesday. I come home to my, to Texas. I was in Oklahoma. So I come home to Texas on Wednesday. Then I leave Thursday morning and I go back to class. And then on Friday after class, I come back home for the weekend. And then I leave early, like 6 a.m. on Monday morning and go back to class and stay tuned. It was like this, the worst hodgepodge of a schedule ever.
1: And so you get your bachelor's during this time, or did you do the master's as well? I I did both, but I failed first.
0: Like my first semester of college, I think my GPA was like 1.5. I don't know, two point, less than a 2.5. Dropped a lot of classes, got a severe kidney infection, had to be in the hospital, lost my hair. Like my hair was falling out in chunks. I lost like 30 pounds. (laughs) Had I had the vocabulary, I would have said, I am so depressed and overwhelmed and overworked that I need help, but I didn't tell anybody anything. I didn't have anybody to tell. I didn't, I I didn't know what I was doing. And then when I was at college, I was partying. (laughs) So like, you know, we can paint this like really nice picture. Like, oh, she was so sad. She was so poor and she was just taking care of her daughter. Yeah, I was doing all of that, but I was also on Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, I was out and about.
1: Well you were still being what, twenty? Were you twenty by this time? Twenty one I was only eighteen. Oh, you're eighteen. Oh. So yeah. even, like I mean, hello, oh, you still needed to be right. eighteen. Yeah, <laughs> so, and I'm eighteen
0: and my baby is at home with someone else for three days a week.
1: No yeah, like I'm out till five A. M. cris that happens yeah, when you are a teen, absolutely. Pre- teenage person who's pregnant because not only do moms somehow, you know, we've given society has given us this thing when you're a mom that somehow you have mm-hmm. to stop being sexy, you have to stop being busy, yes. and you have to stop being all these things that so then take that to being a teen mom. And you're yes. still trying to figure out yourself. You're like, I need to go to college. I still want to have fun. All my friends have fun. Like, why can't I have yeah. fun? And you get you know, people talk shit any either way. So that for me right, like, of course I've always been like, fuck you and fuck your mom because uh, you're not taking care of my kid. So if uh, I want to go out three days a week, that's my decision. Like that's my right. decision. Right. Um, and and I had
0: braces, which is like the worst thing ever. So I still have
1: braces. Too. That's how young I am. <laughs> me too. How funny. I had I Well, I did it like, like twenty one. I did braces. I paid for my own braces because I was like, I want perfect teeth. I just, I actually like wanted them. Weird. I know. My I,
0: bra- I like got pregnant with braces. Like I, got, I had braces when I got pregnant and I just still had them on. Like the, My just teeth weren't ready yet. And so I, I started dating and I had this boyfriend that, oh, I loved him so much. He, he was my first love. He was so brilliant. And he felt like the only one that saw me. He didn't see teen mom, he didn't see small town girl who you know totally ruined her life. He did he was fen- he was phenomenal. But is this is your current. This is not my husband. So oh, I get okay. this boyfriend, he, I don't marry him. He he exits the picture. But what I tried it like what I like to talk the reason that I like to talk about him is that this dream. When you're a single mom that this man is going to come in and he's going to rescue you from being a single mom. He's going to be the perfect dad to your kid. And like everyone, when I was dating is like, how is he with your daughter? How is he with, and, and it was kind of like, I don't care. I want him to like me. me. Like that's how I was feeling. No mm-hmm. one cares about me. I want yeah. someone to like me. And he did. And he was so like strong and steady. He was fantastic. Um, and so we were dating and I end up getting this kidney infection. I get really sick. I have to be put in the hospital and all the next semester because the emotional toll that it all put on me was I couldn't leave her. The Other part is that my daughter is in another state and I'm, trying to balance these lives. So I drop out, I go to a community college for a year and I'm still dating this, this guy the whole time. And I come back to college in a year. So I know it's like a messy story, but our thing is like, all of this is, is so messy and people want it to be so clean. Like, Oh, I left high school. I went to this university and I got my, undergrad. There was so much mess. And there were there are significant figures that helped me that they're not in my life anymore. But that was okay.
1: (laughs) You know everyone has a messy story. Yeah. You know, I think that where and especially with social media and the it's it's a great thing. I love social media. So I'm not knocking social media at all. Mm -hmm. But there are parts of it that make people feel that there's this perfection of what's being shared and posted. And it's like, the messy part is the good part. When you really think about it, right? Yeah. When you think back on the shit that you had to deal with and everyone's shit is different, but yeah, yeah, it's like, those are the things like, man, I had to struggle. remember when it was like this and I didn't have any money for this and I couldn't do this. Like, It's gonna get better and then you're gonna grow on it and it, mm-hmm. it's what makes you who you are. So you go to college, yeah. you drop out, you obviously go back.
0: Yeah, I go back and, and the boyfriend and I fizzle and that's okay because he was phenomenal for the portion of my life that he was in. He was phenomenal. And he also gave me this confidence. And you kind of mentioned it earlier, like I was sexy. I was cool. I was like, rambunctious and I had style and you know, I had kind of come back into my own. I got rid of the ugly mm-hmm. haircut. I got some clothes. I figured out how to put on makeup again. Like I felt great. And he kind of ushered me into that era, era of my life. So mm-hmm. me and my daughter moved back to the same college that I left. And I decide that I'm going to be a teacher because I couldn't cut it in pharmacy school. And not that I couldn't cut it as far like intellectually, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the time to put into pharmacy school that pharmacy school needed and anyone who listens, who's a pharmacist knows that, especially that went to this school that I went to, it's like a nine to five job on top of a nine to five job in pharmacy school. Like they just had so many labs and all this extra and I just couldn't cut it. So I decided to be a teacher. My mom's a teacher. I really enjoyed, um, like helping and tutoring when I was in high school. So I'm like, okay, this is nice. I can do this. And I shaved my head designs, like design like shaved into the side of my head. I get this super short pixie cut, I a fashion that I had had in high school, but I had missed out, and I'm still dirt poor, but I'm, like, figuring it out, and I'm, like, getting attention from guys, and at this time, my daughter is, like, two, maybe, so she's getting anyone who has a two-year-old knows that it's not as easy, it's not easy, but it's easier than having a newborn, Mm because you, like, start figuring stuff out. Yeah. They can come with you places. They don't always need a bottle, like, you know. They can go to daycare, and at this time, like, I get food stamps, Section eight housing, and I have free daycare. So I'm struggling majorly um some financial backing from the government that I hadn't had a little bit earlier in my life because mm-hmm. um, for those of you who don't know about, like, government assistance, you have to show a need. So when I was living under my parents, I had their tax returns, but not their financial backing. So I wasn't eligible for anything. So I literally had to live off of bread and cheese for like a year and a half in this terrible apartment that had no heating, one with cinder block walls, like when my parents dropped me off there, my younger sister cried because they couldn't believe they were making me live in this place. Like, that's how terrible the apartment was. So <clears throat> I have to live on my own for a year so that I can have tax returns to show that I need financial assistance. Mm-hmm. So go through all that shitty process, finally get some government assistance. Now my daughter can go to daycare. Now I can whatever. And I'm feeling myself feeling back to myself and I'm feeling pretty powerful because I have this government assistance. I'm able to feed my family. I'm able to put a roof over my head and those things they I just didn't have them for a couple years and she might have been three at this time. So forgive my eight. I don't know how old she was. She was right in there but for a couple of years like we were eating grilled cheese sandwiches because we only had bread and cheese. Mm-hmm. That really humbles you in a way that I didn't grow up poor. I didn't grow up in poverty. So I, you know, there's this disconnection between what is actual poverty, what it, you know, and I experienced it for the first time in my life. And I wasn't the kind of person that like would call up my parents and beg for money. So no, when they said no financial assistance, I didn't ask for a penny. You know, I was gone. And so eventually I start feeling myself. I'm, I'm like a junior in college. So I probably just turned 21. 21. And this is when I meet my husband. Basketball player at the university, I'm like, trying to be Twitter famous, which is funny now, because, you know, at the time, that was like a big deal. If Mm -hmm. you could be Twitter famous, and I wanted to be Twitter famous. So He messaged me on Twitter and was like, hey, do you go to Swasu, which is the college that I went to? And I totally am like, yeah, but you are like in my head, like you're a lame freshman. And I'm like this hotshot junior who like has all these men trying to pursue me and I'm feeling myself <laughs> and like I'm feeling sexy and I'm feeling powerful. So yeah, right. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. So anyways, so he messaged me on Twitter and then like months later, I'm checking out at the registrar's office, like paying my final bill before school starts and the new basketball team walks up. So at my college, like the sports teams were like all the hot guys, like, ugh Football team, basketball team, like take your pick. But if you're going to be with a hot guy, he's on a sports team. And like the basketball team walks up. Seeing my husband in real life. Like I had just seen this weird little deep, you know, high school picture of him. Well, for those of you who like don't follow me, he's like six, eight. He's. And but he's albino. But he has this rare genetic type of albinism. So he's like his skin and his hair are like blonde. Like, you know, he 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 looks very unique. He's 6'8 and he has this deep like radio voice. And we walk up and they the basketball team comes forward and I'm like, what? Hold the phone. Like who are these guys? You know, I never seen him before I'm like, okay, I like big men. He's a big man. I'm like, hmm. And then he speaks and he has like a really nice voice. I'm like, and that's kind of like the introduction to our love affair was just like seeing each other. It wasn't, he didn't like take me out on a fancy first date to the beach. There was no romantic, like, you're just, you're so beautiful and intelligent. It was like, you're fine. I'm fine. Let's go to parties together. (laughs) <laughs> you know th- that's what it was and it was so fun and he was so fun and so after we meet the dorm and one of the other basketball players is like hey you know that girl that we met and they're like yeah He's like I think she's got like three kids <laughs> three kids what and he's like yeah yeah I think she's got like, three kids and then, like much later in our relationship, what he's like? Did you know that Kale, which is the the guy, was like, told me that you had three kids? I'm like, what? Ah, he's like, that's why the the basketball team thought it was so crazy when you were everywhere. So we're like, how is she doing all this with three kids?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: Um, right. So you guys get married, obviously. <laughs> we get married. we He's a DJ. We've been together for eight or nine years now. I guess it'll be eight, almost nine years.
1: To and now. now you're pregnant again. Pregnant, and
0: I'm 35 weeks pregnant. And so he has been a major part in my success and also keeping me balanced. So I ended up, I, I passed undergrad. I got my master's degree, and And after my master's degree, I thought, me, like, I I still have a lot. So I applied to a PhD program and got into the program. And so I'm finishing up my PhD right now. And so at the University of Oklahoma, majoring in special education and applied behavior analysis, which I'm currently a BCBA. And so that's what I do. And after, like, after I finished my coursework, we moved to Texas and feel like I have so much in me. I have so much drive. I have so much to accomplish. I've beat the statistics. Like the statistics are no more. I'm above the statistics. Um, Found my own strength. I found what I could do. And I found that, like you said, like we all have shit and it's messy and it doesn't look like a rom-com, you know? more like a hot mess express, but you push through and then you have this really beautiful story and you're not upset about, or for me, I'm not upset about what happened. I'm not upset at my parents. I'm not upset at my daughter's father. I'm not upset at my friends that didn't know what to do with me. Like it all worked out because I felt like I discovered who I was and that was the most important missing piece.
1: Yeah, and so tell me because I... Um, I really want to, you know, chat about SD consulting and yeah. how you came up with that. And then I also want to talk about your real estate venture yes. and your fit, you know, your financial fit <clears throat> and I... how you just have completely 360 ed yourself. Absolutely. So during my
0: like struggle days that we just talked about, I had to get really creative with finances because I didn't have any right but i wanted to do a lot of cool things so i really learned about finances i learned how to budget i learned why it's important to budget where to put your money for you and 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 i was having like very little sums of money so like think less than $100, <laughs> the, the, you know, in my account at all talks less than $100. But what would happen is at school, you would get these refunds, or I would take out student loans, and I would get like $6,000 in August, and I would have to make that last through December. Because I had no income, I didn't work uh, for most of my schooling. I didn't work a traditional job. So at $6,000. And that's what really like, got me into finances. So when I became a BCBA, I always knew that I loved teaching, I love consulting, I love problem solving. So I decided like, hey, I'm just gonna start my own company. So I started a company called SD Consulting. And basically, I provide supervision for trainees, um, people who are wanting to get their BCBA, which is their board <clears throat> certified, certified behavior analyst um, designation. They need supervision. So I do that. I consult with parents. I consult with school districts. I do some behavioral health counseling all through that consulting business. And I love it. I mean, it is amazing. But I also have a nine to five. So I have a nine to five. I have my consulting business. And,
1: and is your nine that- to five, your BCBA? Work with So
0: like I'm another. a, I'm, yep. I am an in-home clinician. So I do in-home ABA therapy and I service everywhere from Fort Worth, Texas, all the way through McKinney, Frisco, Texas. So very wide range. And, um, I work very hard at my day job, and then I come home and I work all evening uh, for SD consulting and I have supervisees that, that we meet and I have group supervisions and I have phone calls with school districts and I have um, a couple of contracts with bigger companies, which mention the companies because i don 't know how all of that works, but there it 's like a company can hire me to consult on behavioral skills training, job assessment, vocational training, or if they have, like if you had a business and you had a person that was trying to get their BCBA, but you didn't have a BCBA on staff, you would hire me to do, to be their supervisor. And so I have companies coming in, I have inboxes full and it's amazing. And I've actually used Instagram propel that part of my business because people find me on Instagram, um, And they're like, oh, wow, I I like her story or I like who she is or we have the same dreams, thoughts, ideas. Let me hire her. And so Instagram has really been a huge platform for my consulting business. So I have my full-time job. I have this mega cool consulting company, but I also do real estate. So I have a couple of real estate properties. um, They're home rentals. And just to kind of important to me is providing housing to underprivileged people or people who are going through hard times because in my life, There were times when I needed housing and I didn't know how I would get it or who would give it to me or like, I know that I'm going to be late on rent. So I need to live somewhere that they understand that I promise I'll pay rent. I just don't know, you know, all of these compounding factors that can really be very stressful. So I really wanted to provide housing to people who may not be able to find it um, without what I can provide. And so in my small town, I have rental properties and I rent to people who, um, are going through hard times or I, you know, the elderly, or if I'm from a small, almost all white town. So people of color, I won't get into systemic racism, but it's a, h- a huge problem in the h- housing industry, especially in rural housing areas and rural development. So providing housing to people of color, to women, to divorcees, to the elderly, though, that's my target demographic that I really want to provide to. And so that was really important to me where my mouth is to put my money where my the things that are important to me and the things that are important to me are those who are underserved underserved, people of color, people in rural areas that don't have a lot of options. And so I kind of used the capital that I had built from busting my ass working (laughs) to invest it into real estate in my hometown so that I can provide living situations for people who are important to me. And it blossomed into like this beautiful business career that I would have but I love it. It's amazing.
1: So there's I we could talk about this for hours. Like <laughs> I know, I know for hours because I'm actually on my way to go look <clears throat> at mobile home. Um I'm doing mobile home investing. So that is, I mean, there's so many good things that we could talk about Or like kindred wanna... spirits. <laughs> I don't even know your whole story. And I'm like, but we do everything the same. <laughs> like it's, you know, the nine to five, having your own consulting agency and doing real estate and, and, and. And I think like, first I want to find people like you. So I found you on, on Instagram, you know? And so <laughs> it's, a, it's a great way to market and network And utilize it for the resource that it is. But I wanted to highlight. Who you are as a person. And share with other women. Because it's very important to me. To highlight powerful strong women. But to also show women that it's okay. To mess up. And it's okay that you're not doing well. Or you're struggling. And that there there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And you are such an example of that and I'm so happy that I was able to talk to you and I'm hoping if you're not like super pregnant and like get out of my face that I can meet you when I come next month Oh, which I will totally respect it if you are because I get it like I have three kids and my last pregnancy just ruined my life like it was so hard working and doing everything at once um But I think it might be really cool, too, to do even just a separate, I mean, a whole separate show on, like, finance and investing. Like, that is
0: my, like,
1: business. And especially for women, it it is so important for me to be able to connect with other women who are doing it and are wanting to help. That's the biggest thing, willing to help other people get there. And I'm, And I'm just so happy I could talk to you today.
0: Absolutely. And, and one thing that I think about women, I listen to all these podcasts and I'm an information junkie. Like I, I'm constantly listening to audiobooks. I'm constantly reading, researching podcasts. Like I'm an information junkie. And one of the things that I've noticed is that all of these business podcasts that I listen to, they are white men doing the podcast and interviewing white men. Of course they are. <laughs> I'm tired of listening to white men. Tell me what to do. I mean, just, just, blanket statement. Um, I need people who are different than me, who have different experiences, who are the same as me, who have the same experiences, who are so totally opposite from me that, you know, I need all of that diversity in my knowledge because you never know when you're going to connect with somebody or when something's going to resonate. And I think what we also see is if there's a woman You know, one of the women, uh, the lady that, it, that created Spanks, she was on a, a show. And I'm like, I want to talk to her when she was in debt doing it out of her garage. Like, yes, I'm very happy to listen to the Kim Kardashians and, and I'm a Kardashian fan, but I'm very happy to listen to them. But I also want to listen to someone who's in the middle of building the empire, not just people who have built the empire. There needs to be discussion of, yes, I still have a nine to five and yes, I have two businesses and yes, I have a family and yes, I don't cook supper like, or cook dinner for my family. Like I hate cooking. So getting that out there. So other women look around and say, oh my gosh, I hate cooking for my family too. <laughs> or, oh my gosh, I'm totally exhausted at the end of my work day and I still have to work till midnight. And you know what? I see you doing that. And it feels good to know that I'm not the only one, you know, or or whatever else. It's just important so, to have that dialogue so you don't feel so alone and like you're a lunatic when you're chasing
1: all these dreams. Yeah, that is great advice. <laughs> it's great advice. And, um, you know, there's, as you were talking about systemic racism, there's somebody who, um, I recently found that I'm trying to get on the show, but um, I have someone else who I would like to send you. I do want to wrap well, up and respect, and respect your time for giving yes. it to me. Um, but if you could give one piece of advice to people listening on running businesses and, you know, failing, chasing their dreams, what would it be?
0: Um, so I sent you a song you you ask a song for you know that would yep. like, describe me in the song freedom freedom in the song she says um i'm gonna keep she's like i'm gonna keep running because a winner don't quit on themselves is the line and and that's my advice to you. know that you're a winner, even when you're losing. you are a winner, and winners don't quit. They just don't. Yes, take a nap if you need a nap. Yes, take a week off, sure. Um, Take a month off if you need it. But if you're a winner, you don't quit. I have taken with me, even on the hardest days when I just go lay in bed and I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. Quitting is not an option. Option, you're not gonna succeed. So you have to have the mindset that no matter what, quitting is not even on the table. And to me, that has been my mindset since 12 years. I'm, you know, I'm stubborn, I'm headstrong and, and I don't quit. So it may take me a million years to get all these things accomplished. Um, I don't care because I'm not going to quit. And so my advice to anyone listening is and realize that winners don't quit and you don't um, you know, there's no more discussion after that. Once you decide you're going to win and you're not going to quit, everything else is just pushing through.
1: Ooh, and then you drop the fucking mic. Yes, and walk
0: away, <laughs> you know, dust my shoulders off, clap my hands and I'm done.
1: <laughs> and curtains closed. Thank you so much, Shelby. This was amazing. I feel like we could seriously talk for like another three hours. And I really, really hope I can meet you when I come to Texas. If you are able to. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Absolutely. And I will talk to you later. Have a wonderful day.
1: Hey guys, it's Courtney, the host of the Warrior Her podcast. I just wanted to take the time here to let you know that if you're thinking of doing a podcast, there's a way for you to do a show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. I was so lucky to find Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast. He helps podcasters get their shows recorded and posted with a complete podcast studio right at their disposal. You can record from your home, your office, even at the park. Pretty Easy Podcast caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show right at your beck and call. So if you have any ideas for a show and need someone to rely on to help you get it done, go to prettyeasypodcast.com and sign up today. Be heard and have some fun podcasting. You know you want to fucking do it. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Thanks for listening to the Warrior Her podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another fun episode. Go like, subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, Warriors, remember, girls really do run the world.